Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you. Another Wednesday evening where we have the opportunity to reflect into the life and thought of one Pope Francis. And if you are tuning in by way of podcast, I would also like to welcome you. If you are from the countries of uh, the Philippines, Malaysia, uh, Japan, Vietnam, uh, certainly Brazil, <laughs> Uruguay, Paraguay, uh, Chile, Argentina, Colombia, Mexico, and all throughout the United States, we welcome you. And again, it is always an honor to have you come into the studio with us. I'm also thinking about uh, Portugal, Spain, England, France, and Italy. Again, we just thank you for uh, taking time out, tuning in, and hopefully that uh, in the taking time out of your schedule, uh, you might be gaining something from this. And I, I do welcome your questions as well. I know there's been some emails trickling in, from the international audience, and uh, those are much appreciated. It really gives me a sense uh, of the pulse out there, and that's important for this program to be what it needs to be. So again, I thank you. And it is Wednesday evening, so that means Bob Cross is with me. Bob, great to have you with me another evening. Thanks, Joe. Good to be here. So uh, life and thought, of course, life where he's at in the news, Bob, and thought, his uh, exhortation, the joy of the gospel. Over this past week, there's been a lot in the news in his trip to Sri Lanka and uh, the Philippines. He said a lot. Uh, he said even more on, <clears throat> on the plane back <laughs> from his trip. Um, I, I want to make a point before we get into some of the things I want to talk about from this past week, Bob, and, and that's how we approach Pope Francis. We have talked a great deal about uh, making sure that we are not relying on what we think we know, but going to what he actually says. Um, maybe we can put it this way. It is a matter of being able to understand this pontificate, not from the outside looking in, but Bob, from the inside looking out. And the only way you can do that is by spending time with what he actually says. I noted the importance of the word actually. I think if it wasn't last week, it was two weeks ago. The word actually speaks specifically to reality, okay? And what we're after here is understanding what this papacy is authentically about, not what this media outlet is saying or that media outlet is saying. So again, we are made to look at this not from the outside in, but from the inside out. That's, that's a great way to look at it. And I can tell you, from me personally, I look forward to every Wednesday evening so that mm -hmm. we can discuss and dialogue and look back through what's, what's uh, taken place with, with Pope Francis. Um, because it seems like, you know, the world is just... God, all the spins that are out there, mm. you know, the spins on uh, what Pope Francis is saying and what's going on in the Catholic faith. And there seems like there's this rush to jump to conclusions. Uh, there's this rush to jump to uh, make things political. And it really is therapeutic for me to be able to step back and look in, at, at, at what's been written, what's been said, and what's been you know, reported. Yeah, and it allows us, Bob, to have a very real dialogue. 
we must remember something. <laughs> Again, it's so important for us to understand this. Oh, what is a dialogue? A dialogue, well, break open the word, dialogic. Okay, logic is the instrument to reason. Reason is one of those modes to which we better understand truth. Well, what's dia? Well, two. How can we come to understand the truth of any one thing if we are not dealing with what is objectively true? Uh, you use the word spin, and I like that, because ultimately, there are a lot of people putting a spin on what he says so as to fit their narrative. And I'll say something else. It's just not the liberal or the left. It's also the conservative, the right, because why? They're not spending time with what he actually says. I've had conversations over these past few months and really over the past year on both sides of the fence, if you will. And the only way that we are going to discover the truth that we're after, Bob, is to go to what he actually says, and based upon what he says, have that necessary dialogue and allow the Spirit to guide that conversation. Right. And so, you know, if I could, I'd, I'd like to read just kind of a recap, um, uh, the summary of some of what had taken place on the plane ride as Pope Francis left the Philippines, uh, this press conference, and it, it's very interesting. Um, this past Friday night in Manila, Francis held a meeting with 20,000 Filipino families in which he blasted what he called the ideological colonization of the family. It's a phrase that requires some unpacking for the outside world, but is immediately recognizable to Catholic cultural conservatives. It refers to the strongly held belief among many Catholics in places such as Africa, Latin America, and Asia that Western governments and NGOs, as well as international bodies such as the United Nations, are using their control over development aid to compel cultures in the developing world to adopt more liberal sexual mores, to distribute condoms, for, for instance, as a condition of receiving grants, or guaranteeing gay rights in order to get favorable consideration for other forms of economic assistance. In a briefing, the Vatican spokes spokesman, the Reverend Federico Lombardi, confirmed that Francis partly had gay marriage in mind when he used the colonization phrase and also referred to attempts to redefine the meaning of family. That night in Manila, Francis also departed from his prepared text to offer a strong defense of Pope Paul VI and his controversial 1968 encyclical Humanae Vitae that upheld the contraception ban. He had the strength to defend openness to life at a time when many people were worried about population growth, Francis said. Anyone who's been watching this pope knows that when he goes off the cuff in Spanish, it's because hmm. whatever follows is truly important to him. Francis came back to these subjects in an airborne news conference on the return flight on Monday. Before the flight departed, word came back to the press corps that the Pope wanted to be asked about ideological colonization. And eager to hear what he had to say, they were too happy to oblige. Francis gave a long answer, the gist of which was that such attempts of colonization are real and that he's witnessed them himself. The Pontiff told a story from his time in Argentina about a government education minister needing a loan to build schools for the poor and getting an offer on the condition that textbooks in these schools contain references to gender theory. That's another phrase opaque to most, but almost immediately recognizable to Catholics invested in family issues. Basically, it refers to the idea that sexual identity is a social construct, not part of any natural law, and thus all types of sexual orientations and behaviors are perfectly acceptable. Francis described this colonization as an assault on the right of peoples to make their own choices and to preserve their own identity. 
Some headlines from that news conference focused on the Pope's green light to limit the size of Catholic families, in part because he served up an irresistible soundbite. To be good Catholics, we don't have to breed like rabbits. Yet as insiders parse the Pope's words, they'll discover that he was in no way talking about contraception, since he once again praised Pope Paul VI and even said that Pope Paul VI was trying to ward off an ideology of population control. Instead, Francis was talking about natural family planning, the church-approved method for limiting and spacing births, which was encouraged by St. John Paul II and taught by the likes of Blessed Teresa of Calcutta and others. In terms of why Francis would have chosen the Philippines for a reboot on the aforementioned subject matter, there are probably two reasons. First, it's a country that recently passed a controversial reproductive health law guaranteeing universal access to contraception over strong Catholic opposition. Had he been mute about it, pro-life Catholics might have been tempted to conclude that the church teaching on the subject just isn't a priority for this pope. And secondly, Francis needed a big stage. Far enough in advance for the October summit to make a difference. Anytime a pontiff sets a new world record for attendance at a mass, people are bound to pay attention. Yeah, that number, Bob, was what, six to seven million people? Wow. A couple points, Bob, uh, by way of reaction to what you just read. Uh, The first of which is this phrase, ideological colonization, huh? (laughs) I mean, there have been some people out there, people that I've been in conversation with, that have wanted to put Pope Francis in this political, ideological box. And this is not the first time that he has been very outspoken about the intrinsic problem that lies underneath these ideologies that wish to impose themselves on certain cultures and certain nations. These social dictatorships that wish to nestle into some of these cultures and some of these nations uh, by way of backdooring their ideology. Uh, it's, It's striking that he would make an effort to talk about this specifically, and that he wanted to talk about it more. He knows people are listening, and he wants people to be well-versed in his understanding of what is going on. People would suggest that he doesn't have enough political savvy, but that could never be farther from the truth, because the reality is even the cardinal spoke to it. (laughs) When they elected this man, we wanted a man of holiness and a man who can govern, a man who can be politically savvy. Not in the sense of politicking so as to get what he wants by using people. No, but by understanding what politics is so as to create the dialogue that is necessary. Um, That's what he's after, and this is what we need to be talking about. The second point, Bob, is again, here we have the importance of timing. Him talking about contraception, gender theory, the family, all of these things to a culture who's going to be in tune with what he's saying, given the context to which they live, that you just spoke to. Timing is very important for Pope Francis. He is going to speak to it when he feels called to speak to it, and certainly he did so here. You know, it's interesting, in that article we just I just read, um, he's talking about, um, you know, in preparation of next October, you know, with, with you know, the, the family. Yeah, and, yeah. And that... Um, it's almost, um, you know, you could see that he's like a very, very schooled teacher. I mean, he's, he's using, and he knows he has the world's attention right now, mm-hmm. and he's setting the stage for a teaching moment between now and next October when, he, you know, when, when they convene again uh, and talk about the family. 
and you know, he's there's there's some calculations going on here. I think with Pope Francis, yeah, because he's allowing this key moment when he just you know set this record over six million, seven million, you know, people attending mass, mm -hmm. um, and he has the you know he understands better than anybody how fickle the press can be, and how they'll move on to somebody else if they feel it's like it's un, you know irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And he realizes his relevancy is important right now, yeah. and I think he's using it as a means of being able to to bring us along. And to teach us about that dignity, to teach us about the individual person as it relates to the family and the way it's going to be, you know, discussed next October. Mm -hmm. Amen. He's at the same time going to be very present to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I've got to believe that while what he is doing is calculated to a degree, uh, like one who would be teaching, and I think that's well put, Bob, he's also at the same time spontaneous. A good teacher is going to recognize sure. when to shift in midstream. Um, you know, being in the classroom, I would say the best teachers are those who have the ability to, to do that. And uh, certainly Pope Francis is well aware of that. And when you're talking, when you're talking about teaching the faith and bringing along people to understand the faith, as he's calling us to see it, a faith that is rooted in a love for the poor and at once is open to serving in a way that at one time in our life might have been unimaginable. And yet this is ultimately what he puts before us, alongside, of course, every great truth that the Catholic Church stands for. All that being said, Bob, I think it'll be important for our listening audience to really follow this story closely as he, from here to October, talks more about the family. By way of footnote, and I shouldn't say footnote, but he also announced that uh, one blessed Unipro Sarah is going to be canonized. Of course, right. the founder of the missions here in the state of California, uh, for some long overdue. <laughs> I've gotten that question before quite a bit. You know, Joe, why isn't you know Unipro Sarah canonized? Well, uh, it looks like this fall he will be canonized. I mean, Pope Francis has not hesitated to canonize a saint if he feels like this saint uh, should be canonized. He is bypassing that last miracle, as Benedict XVI did too as well, actually. Boy, he is, he is canonizing like it's nobody's business. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and why not? Certainly, these are men who not only have proven to be servants of God in their holiness, but there's also been miracles in their name. So there's there's a lot to be said there. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people have just automatically assumed that he was already a saint. I mean, yeah. if people, you know, say, oh, I thought he already was. Yeah, saint. yeah, you know, yeah. So. Well, again, timing is everything. And so for us here in the state of California, if you live in the state of California, um, this is great news because we are going to have a, a very important intercessor. All of our cities, Sacramento, the, the Blessed Sacrament, you know, Los Angeles, the City of the Angels, San Francisco, St. Francis, San Diego, San Ramon, all of the San, San Clemente, right? We can go on and on and on. These are all after saints, or uh, in their origin, they have a Catholic identity. And, and now to have Sarah, uh, Unipero Sarah, is going to be uh, very important for just that, that Catholic vibrancy in this state, to be able to turn to him as one saint, Unipero, Sarah. Amen to that. Okay, uh, Bob, let us go ahead and, and turn now to Joy of the Gospel. And we are in, I believe, paragraphs 127, 128, 129, where we now focus in on that person-to-person, -person, that all-important piece of evangelizing person-to-person. -person. And uh, 
Maybe what we'll do is go ahead and read paragraph 127. We won't necessarily get into 128 and 129. We'll just kind of reflect with the subject matter. But again, this is Joy of the Gospel, paragraph 127, where uh, Pope Francis is talking about the importance of evangelizing person to person. Today, as the Church seeks to experience a profound missionary renewal, there is a kind of preaching which fails or falls to each of us as a daily responsibility. It has to do with bringing the gospel to the people we meet, whatever they be, our neighbors or complete strangers. This is the, the informal preaching which takes place in the middle of a conversation, something along the lines of what a missionary does when visiting a home. Being a disciple means being constantly ready to bring the love of Jesus to others. And this can happen unexpectedly and in any place, on the street, in a city square, during work, or even on a journey. Amen, Bob. You know, the word that I was made to reflect upon when I was reading this paragraph, Bob, was that all-important word, disposition. I want to hone in on, on an aspect of this. John Paul II talked about the importance of what he called the attitude of faith after Vatican II to really get this whole idea of evangelization going in his diocese. And what he wanted us to see is that the attitude of faith is being in relationship with God, but not yet in action. Essentially, what John Paul II was saying is, acquire that disposition of surrender, that disposition of faith, that disposition, as he would say, of being a disciple. The exact thing that Pope Francis just said. And why? Because if we have acquired that disposition of readiness, we'll call it, of alertness, of watchfulness, and how God wants to work in this moment or that moment that you might find yourself in, well, then you know you have arrived as a disciple. And also, and I think this is really important for us, Bob, it is in that moment where we begin to discover, yes, our vocation as a disciple, but the providential hand of God, okay? And by that, and this is so important to see how this moment you are in right now is a God-ordained moment, is a moment that God had from the beginning of time, <laughs> from the beginning of time, has set up for you. And to enter into that truth is so important for us. Why? Because how often do we say, Bob, well, that was an interesting coincidence. <laughs> yeah. God, God doesn't roll the dice. There's no such thing as coincidence, but only God incidents. Everything, everything is ordained by God. I mean, does, does Jesus arrive at the well there in John 4, see a Samaritan woman and say, huh, this is an interesting coincidence? Oh, <laughs> he doesn't do that. He looks at that moment as a God-ordained moment for him to reveal a deeper truth about what all of our encounters ought to look like, filled with richness, filled with, with grace, filled with revelation, an unsuspecting, unanticipated uh, revelation of truth. Amen to that. Yeah, and, you know, as we were addressing, you know, we're beginning to, to get back into the joy of the gospel, by the way, which is, you know, the foundation of, you know, this, these teaching moments that Pope Francis presents to us. You know, here it is right in this exhortation that was written before he had all these millions and millions and millions, of, billions of ears, mm -hmm. you know, through the media. And he's talking about, even in a simple conversation, you know, using that opportunity to be able to, 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 to evangelize, to speak to the gospel, person to person. So, I mean, again, as we talk about, you know, what, what he's describing, I think it gives us, you know, a greater insight to this man who's, 
using every opportunity he can to teach, to evangelize, to, to, to lay out exactly what he's saying there, person to person, using that moment or that opportunity, that God-given providential coincidence, Yeah, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, the just deserves. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be great if in every conversation we'd think, gosh, now how would God want me to answer that? I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say as much, which would be good. I think we'd listen more mm-hmm. if Amen. we really thought about that. Well, and that's what I was thinking about all afternoon, to be honest with you. I mean, how do we acquire that disposition? We can never talk about prayer enough because that's so foundational. But we also have to be doing those uh, daily examinations of conscience that we've talked about. So when we look back on our day, we're saying, yeah, okay, you know what? I could have been more present to God in this moment or more present to God in that moment. It's, it's really what lies at the heart, Bob, of becoming a disciple, a real disciple for the new evangelization, but also... Uh, one who's serious about their Christian Catholic faith and Christian Catholic vocation and holiness, to see each and every moment, each and every encounter pregnant with eternal significance. Uh, What are we talking about here? Maybe if we went to get a haircut today, maybe if you had a dental appointment today, (laughs) maybe if you went to the grocery store, every person you meet in that barbershop, that dentist office, or uh, the grocery store, God wanted you. God desires that you would engage them uh, in a way that would hopefully bring light to their day. Okay, um, that being said, Bob, I wanted to, to speak to one more thing here. You know, he's talking about the, our neighbors and preaching the gospel to our neighbors and, and to our communities, um, and often in, in ways that might be unsuspecting. And so this had me thinking uh, today about an encounter I had earlier this year with someone who was a former neighbor from 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Okay, what happened? Well, through a sibling of mine, it was brought to their attention uh, what I was involved with and, and that I completed a, a doctorate by the grace of God <laughs> and that he wanted to congratulate me. And uh, so he sent me an email, uh, congratulated me, and he talked about what it was like to grew up with the whole crafts. Again, I'm one of 11 kids, as our listening audience knows at this point. And as I often say, when I'm asked, what was it like to be raised in a family of, of 11 kids? I usually place the word raised with survived. And uh, so when he's talking about what it was like to grow up with the whole crafts, <laughs> you, can, you can well imagine the picture that I'm, I'm drawing for you. You know, it wasn't always easy. And uh, I think he was sending me an email because he really did genuinely want to congratulate me. And so we just got to talking um, initially by way of email, and a a few phone calls were exchanged, and three conversations out from that initial encounter were we talking about the gospel message, and and how wonderful is that? So here we have Pope, Pope Francis talking about the need to preach the gospel, the good news to our neighbors and to our communities, and certainly we do this, and we do it in in, in that very simple way, in those very subtle and simple interactions. But my reflection was a little more than that, in how God works again providentially in those encounters that would appear maybe to have nothing to do with God, and yet how God uses it 25, 30 years later. It's just a fascinating thing to me, and I think it's really important for our listening audience to be present to the ways in which God is working, yes, in the obvious and explicit but even how he calls us to be over here or over there 
for an X amount of months and years and how he's going to use it down the road. This is the stuff of, of the providential hand of God. Yeah, you know, and, and again, it's, you know, constant reminder of that we are in the moment and being present to it is, is so important. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times that I, um, I look back just even a few minutes later and think, why did I respond that way? I mean, I just came from the grocery store and a lady, you know, was waving me around, you know, telling me which way to turn my car into a parking spot, you know, and it's like, what's up with you? And then I'm yeah. thinking, and I kind of waving back at her. <laughs> it's like, why yeah. did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that isn't my opportunity to be able to evangelize, is it? Sure. <laughs> I mean, by, by, you know, um, you know, responding to her in a rude way. If I would have smiled and said thank you or something, I'm sure it would have had a much better, more profound effect than my usual response. Well, in so many ways, Bob, this is what Pope Francis is calling us to, to to be present to the concreteness and the particularity of what these moments are about and why joy is so important. Because existentially speaking, we witness to those people driving by or walking by um, in a way that is going to come out based upon uh, how we are living all of our minutes, our hours, our days when no one's looking. And I think this is maybe our concluding point that I really want to just hammer home for our listening audience. How you spend your time when no one's looking, how you spend your time behind closed doors, Bob, is quintessential because the outgrowth of that, and we could never say this enough, the outgrowth of that is what people see. And the disposition then is one, uh, as we were talking earlier to St. John Paul II, is one that is going to be filled with surrender, readiness, joy, and what it means to be a disciple. Yeah. Be joyful. Yeah. Be smiling. Amen. Stop waving your hands at people who drive. Exactly. My... <laughs> right, let us close with the word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.